everybody. It's Marguerite Cristillo, and welcome to our podcast. Very excited to, to have my guest here with us today. I'm just going to go through and read her bio because she's doing so many crazy things that I don't want to miss anything. She's, she's quite an extraordinary woman, and I love, love, love seeing leaders of this capacity on our show. So today, our special guest is Rachel Adams, and Rachel leads the sales division for the Atchison Adams real estate team at Keller Williams and Rizzo. She's currently ranked in the top 1% of all realtors in Placer and Sacramento County, and her team's going to close a little under $35 million in sales for 2015. Yes, that number's correct, $35 million. <laughs> In 2014, she was named top 1,000 agents in the entire country by the Wall Street Journal, which is quite, quite the accomplishment. Her creative marketing ways incorporate both traditional channels as well as new strategies based on the latest technology available. This paired with her upbeat attitude and love of building lasting relationships has earned Rachel the nickname The Listing Queen. <laughs> when not actively selling homes, Rachel can be found traveling around the U.S. with her business partner, coaching others on how to build a successful business and working on their mindset. She also sits on the board for a local sex trafficking nonprofit, Blue Heart International, which that they do such great work. Rachel's passions outside the office include hiking, creating amazing meals in her kitchen, which I've heard about. I'm going to be anxiously looking for a meal. Writing books to help encourage self-exploration and growth and traveling around the world sipping wine along the way. Rachel's passionate about living life to the fullest and choosing happiness above all else. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. You know, we've been talking about this for a long time. We finally got I know, we really have. together, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm really excited to have you on the show. So give our listeners a little bit of background on you. Like, what did you do before real estate? What got you into real estate? Yeah, so um, first off, I'm really excited to be on your show. I've heard a lot of good things about it, and I know you and I have seen each other for years kind of in passing at the industry and just kind of, you know, at different networking events, we've never really had a chance to like sit down and get to know each other one-on-one. So I'm excited. Yes. Um, Okay. So I actually, so my dad's a real estate broker, um, a small town outside Napa, and he wanted me to go into real estate my whole life. And I didn't want to do what my dad wanted me to do. Um, So I went to school at Sac State, actually originally for singing. I used to sing uh, blues and jazz acapella and um, quickly realized that I wasn't going to make the kind of money I wanted to make in uh, music. So I switched my major to business. Um, I opened restaurants for Ruth Chris Steakhouse and traveled around the U.S. and opened a few restaurants, um, got my sommelier license, so I just first level, but I would kind of coach people on food and wine pairing. Um, and then I ran a marketing team, and we had partnered with the Sacramento Kings. So marketing and sales has kind of always been my passion. Um, I actually followed a Craigslist ad, and um, when I had gotten laid off, um, I followed a Craigslist ad and landed in a small um, kind of boutique real estate company in um, Sacramento. And um, that's where I met my business partner, Matt. Uh, He was getting his license and met me there and was like, Rachel, what are you doing? Like, why are you sitting by my desk? You'd be amazing in real estate. And um, at the time, I was actually married. And my husband was a disabled vet, and he had uh, PTSD. And I, um, you know, was the income. And I was like, Matt, I can't quit my job. Like, this is safe. And I know how much money is coming in. It's, you know, it's, it's salary. And then everything shifted for me when I went to this one class. It was called Bold 
Have you heard of that one? I have. Keller Williams? Williams. Okay. So it's it's kind of like it's a sales course, but it's it's more about life. So I'd say it's 80% um, personal growth and 20% business growth, and your business improves just as a byproduct of you kind of becoming a better person. So I go to this um, seminar, this class, and I'd, I'd, I'd seen, like, the Tony Robbins kind of stuff, but I'd never really experienced it. And I will tell you that I, like, ate it up. <laughs> um, so Cody Gibson was a coach, and he stood at the front of the stage, and he said, um, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. And I kind of, I'm like a believer that you can hear the same quote over and over again, but it doesn't really sink in until you're in the right place in your life to receive it, you know? Exactly. So all of a sudden I was sitting there and I'm like, wait a second. I'm salary, so that's comfortable, and I know how much money is coming in. But yet, if I was commission-based, there's no cap on how much money I make, and I can create my own destiny. So um, I quit my job that day. I put my two weeks in, and I started at Keller Williams um, February 2nd of 2012. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. And it's been a journey. (laughs) You know, and I think – and that was actually a pretty tough time of the market, too. You yeah. Know, I know that a lot was going on in the market. It had hit its bottom, and people were a bit overwhelmed and stressed out. And, and what I love about that is I think that if you can learn in a bad market, you can survive mm-hmm. in any market, right? We were we were told that it's funny because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So we just got in the industry, and everybody was like, this is a really hard market. And we're like, well, it's the only market we know. And we also were, I mean, to say that I was broke when I started is, like, an understatement. Like, most people say they're paycheck to paycheck. I was, like, a paycheck behind to a paycheck. And so I'm borrowing money from, like, every person I know, including my nail lady. And um, it it was, we started kind of, like, old school. We did, we door knocked um, 200 doors a week, and we did three open houses a week for the first um eight months. So we worked seven days a week. And the first year we ended up closing 39 deals. The next year was 109. And then last year was 123. That's amazing. That's quite an accomplishment in your first three years. I mean, many people don't do that many transactions in their entire career. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it real estate's such an interesting beast. Like it can be the most amazing rewarding career and it also can chew you up that you out like it, it you definitely have to have thick skin I think to do it long term and so what was that conversation with your dad like when all these years he would want you to get into real estate <laughs> and, no, and then you probably just crushed it and he's like I told you so yeah well my dad he's never actually said like I've told you so but he my dad's really cute. So his his office, um, there there was nine agents in it, and it's small. And he always says, like, you know, you close nine deals a month. I have nine agents in my whole office. Like, you know, he's he's cute <laughs> about it. And so when I would do something, when I would like, you know, because I was um I was a finalist for the thirty under thirty, and or like <laughs> like when I'd have like a million dollar contract or whatever, my dad will send it around his real estate office with nine lines on it, and every agent has to initial that they've seen it. Like he's like the proudest <laughs> papa. <laughs> He's super cute. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say that your toughest challenge was in that first year? Like, mm-hmm. what is what is one thing that if you could tell a brand new agent um, to avoid, what would that be? So, two things. Um, I think the first thing for me was um, I was very fearful. So, I was 26. 
um, and I'm five feet tall, and I'm a little blonde, and I was like, nobody is going to take me seriously. I can't say I've sold all these houses because I haven't even sold a single one. Um, and so for, and I was very fearful when I'd knock on a door that some, that I would be inconveniencing someone or I would be bothering them or, you know, I'd be interrupting family time. So the biggest thing for me was learning how to overcome that fear. And the one thing I've really learned is if you're fearful of something, it's usually because it's something you should be doing. And so I would have like little pep talks with myself before I would walk up to the door. And I realized that if I was going to door knock, um, I needed to come from contribution. And, and Keller Williams were really big on that. Like you wake up and, well, in, in real estate, right, you want to come from contribution. If you're if you're knocking on someone's door and you're in a neighborhood, I'm knocking on your door because I'm letting you know a new house just came on the market in your neighborhood that's going for 425 It's about $25,000 more than the seller would, thought it would go for. And what that means for you is that prices are going up in your neighborhood. Have you ever thought about what your house is worth? Do you know where you're sitting at in the fourth quarter? Because things have changed. And, you know, so I just, I always kind of would come up with different scripts to where I was contributing to their life instead of being an annoyance. And then my confidence level went up. And then the other thing was, I realized that, you know, just because I personally haven't closed at the time, the first year I had closed um, many or any deals, my brokerage had. And Keller Williams Roseville um, was, I think at the time it was like number two or three in the county. And, you know, we we close hundreds of transactions monthly. So what I would say instead is, you know, my real estate brokerage, we closed, you know, 96 um, homes last month. And so what that means is when you list with me, you will be selling with the absolute top class, you know, real estate company or whatever. And, and I the other thing I got really used to was there's not um, if, there's no ifs in my world. It's not if you list with me, it's when. It's not if I get this listing, it's when. Like when I leave my office, I tell my team, okay, guys, I'm going to go take three listing appointments. I'm not going on listing appointments. I'm going to go take them. And so mindset for me, I think, was the hugest piece to being successful. I think that that's so important because people definitely get really caught up in what they can't do versus what they can do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. Know, uh, one of the new agents on my team, she was like, but I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. And the way that I related it was is that she had been on my team in an, in an, an administrative capacity for a bit. And I said, look, I said, how many times have you been in a situation where the agent on the other end was a horrible agent? And don't you think that your family, friends, and people that you connect with deserve to have somebody that's great and looking out for your best interests? Like mm-hmm. you need to go out and help those people before some horrible person gets to them, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And this other thing, too, is if she's telling herself she's a horrible salesperson, she's negatively affirming herself. So if you think you Absolutely. are, then you are. But if you think you're a great salesperson, then you are a great salesperson. You know, I think that's so huge because your self-talk is really way more Mm -hmm. valuable than what anyone else can say to you. You know, what you say about yourself to yourself can either make or break you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, even from, like, the youngest age, you're taught negative self-talk. Like, the very first word most commonly that kids learn is no. No, don't touch that. No, that's hot. No, you know what I mean? So no is commonly, like, we are what we are programming. So if you're constantly told no, that's the first word you learn. And and oftentimes people start to look at the negative things instead of the positive. So mindset, I mean, from the day you, the moment you get out of bed, like, it is so important. Like, so say you have, you're going to bed at night and you have five hours 
of rest, right? You have five hours to sleep because you had to work late or you were watching your favorite TV show or whatever the reason is. You've got five hours. If you go to bed and you say, I am freaking exhausted, I'm going to be so tired in the morning, I'm going to drag all day, I'm going to need coffee at 2 o'clock, then guess what? You're going to be so tired, you're going to drag all day, you're going to need coffee. But if you tell yourself, okay, I have five hours, I'm going to have the most beautiful, restful sleep for five hours, I'm going to wake up refreshed, it's going to be a great morning, then that's what happens. Like, it is, you you can determine how your day is going to go from the moment you wake up, you know, and if things come in your day that kind of upset you, you need to have something you do that you can reprogram yourself to kind of set your day up. Matt and I have stuff we do that's like our little trigger that we say, oop, we're, we're going negative, let's, let's reset, you know. Absolutely. You know, it's funny that you were saying about the first word you learn is no is because, and I didn't realize it until years later, but I have a wonderful gal who helped take care of my children when they were young. Mm-hmm. And I, I always remember that when they would, like, go at something or go to do something, instead of saying no, she would just pick them up and relocate them, right? So mm-hmm. let's say they're going towards the fireplace. Instead of saying, no, 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 don't touch that, she would just quietly walk over, pick them up, and turn them a different direction. And mm-hmm. I never realized how important that was with your kids until much later in life when I thought, Wow, you're absolutely right, Rachel. The first word most of us all hear is, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't touch that, don't go there, don't, you know. It's all these no's, and it's just, it's so valuable. I absolutely agree. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me this. You know, I I tell people all the time that very few partnerships make it, that they are many times very much struggle because, there always comes a point where one thinks that the other one is not working as hard as them or different things like that. So how do you make your partnership work out? We use that question a lot. Um, well, so I think the very first thing is when you – I don't believe that you look for a real estate partner. I think that the that real estate partners need to happen organically. Um, Matt wasn't looking for me to be his partner, and I wasn't looking to have a real estate partner. And, in fact, when we decided we wanted to do it, Majority of the people in our life told us not to do it. They don't work. It's a bad idea. And we, didn't, of course, didn't know. We didn't know. And we liked each other as people. Um, so first, core values need to align. So we were raised um, with similar backgrounds. We both had really strong work ethic. And it was just a conversation of, I mean, conversations, everything, right? There's a book that I read um, and a course I took called The Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. And in it, she says, the conversation is the relationship. And it was really powerful because if the conversation is the relationship, most um, partnerships, I feel, would fail because the conversation lacks. Or you start to, like, there's this, this thing that we heard, you start making up stories in your own head. So say that person, it starts to come in a little bit later or they're a little bit tired or whatever's happening, and you start to say, they don't want to be my partner anymore, or something shifted for them, and they're going to start doing deals on their own on the side or whatever it is. You start making up stories in your own head about what's going on when in reality, maybe they're sick or maybe they just need a couple days off or whatever it is. So for Matt and I, we um, we had a conversation about how we were going to show up and also about, like, what was going to happen when deals come in. And so it's really the clarity you need to get. So first, it was making sure that our core values align. Second, it was how are you going to show up. And we both agreed we'd show up 100%. And if your partner is showing up regularly 100%, then when they want to go on vacation or when they want to take 
time off, you're excited for them and you want to cover for them because you know the same thing's going to happen for you. So it wasn't like one of us shows up 60% of the time and the other shows up 40% of the time. It's we equally show up. And, and we also give each other the right to call each other out. So if I'm telling him I will be in the office by 9 a.m. and I start showing up at 9.30, 10 o'clock, he has the right to hold me accountable and say, hey, you said that this is the level you are going to work to and you're not doing it. So what's going on? And it's hard. We call it extreme accountability. And sometimes it's hard, but it's also important to kind of own it and own your role. Um, and and then the other thing was um, where the leads come in from. So we agreed that whether it's my mother his dad or an online lead, everything's split 50-50. So there's no no gray area with us. Everything is split 50-50 down the middle. I think that that's so important. And, you know, I know that in the partnership situation, and I think this relates to whether it's business partnerships or personal partnerships, right, is that communication is so important. And I think where partnerships start to break down is when you stop communicating or the communication becomes few and far between. Like I, I say it a lot, especially when it comes to money, like even as a married couple, you should have a partner's meeting, you know, once a month to go over your partner's Absolutely. Month, go over your numbers, go over issues and conversations. And it's easier said than done, but absolutely if you don't have those conversations, your partnership is sure to break down no matter what yes. that partnership is. Yeah, and I think even like you just said, it's even more important to, you know, make sure that it's, you know, somebody who, when you, you know, with your re- relationship that you're doing these meetings and that you're talking about goals, we do goal setting together and we, we have a regular P&L. So it, it actually sitting in my hand right now, I have my year to date, my numbers. It comes every Monday from the COO of our company. Um, and it has myself and all our agents on it. Um, it says our team GCI, the royalty they pay to the company, um, how many units they've closed, what their volume is. Um, if they've shown property for me, how many of that was listings, how many of that was buyers, like we know how many calls they made. I mean, tracking numbers as a team is extremely important because you need to know where your money is going. And if you, you know, you can, like every realtor gets that phone call where they're like, hey, it's, it's Zillow or it's whoever, and we're going to give you, you know, only give us, you know, $4,000 and we'll send you this many guaranteed leads. And I know I've made a mistake and lost money and other people have as well. And it's really important to track where you're spending your money because you need to know if you're getting a return on your investment. Well, the great thing about knowing your numbers is that they, number one, don't take it personal and they don't lie, right? They they are Mm -hmm. what they are. They are your actual results. So, if you're not getting the results that you want, it's because you're not putting in the effort that's required mm-hmm. to get those results. Absolutely. But tracking your numbers, especially when it comes, you know, I've heard statistics from my friend Rick Ruby at the core. He says that 90% of real estate agents and loan officers owe money to the IRS. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Frankly, we, frankly, we do, but, but, you know, for the most part, they are losing money because they're not paying attention to their numbers, right? Like they don't have no- absolutely. I talked to I talked to a guy, an agent, um, recently here in Roswell. The guy is spending ten thousand dollars a month on Zillow advertising. And, and what? I said, what's I said, his ranking? I, like, how much does he close well, a month? That's what I tried to tell. I, I tried to ask him. I said, well, what are the results of that? Like, what are you converting? And he goes, well, I'm not really sure. I know that we're burning through a lot of leads. I'm like. What do you mean you don't know? Like, how can you not know when you're spending that much money? I'm like, send that to me and I'll have my ISA call and send you a referral fee. 
Exactly, you know. <laughs> but the reality is, is that whether it's ten thousand dollars or a hundred dollars, it's just zeros. But if you're not paying attention to that, you mm-hmm. will literally make less money than you make, and it's a very common problem in the real estate industry as a whole. So we got um, a little comfortable in year three, and we were, um, you know, so we travel a lot for real estate, and we coach people on how to build their business and this and that. And um, just full, you know, disclosure, a little bit of ego got in the way. And we're like, we're doing great. This is awesome. People know who we are. And then when you actually look at your numbers, like you just said, numbers don't lie, our production was going down. And so we had to get a real hard look at where we're actually at. We're like, wait a second. If we're not doing the business, then nothing else matters. You can't prance across the stage and say, hey, I'm doing all this. If if your numbers aren't, you know, you've got to have your your, – video has to match your audio, right? So right. we had to kind of take a step back and relook at it. And I will tell you, Marguerite, we are in the office every morning at 9 a.m. and we are lead generating. We are regularly calling our database. We are regularly calling for sale by owners and expired. We are calling our internet leads. I mean, you cannot get above that stuff. Like that's when I think things start to slip is when you think you're better than the daily activities. Oh, completely. I mean, it- Again, your results reflect what your daily activities are. So, like, I'd like to say all the time, what you're doing today is 90 days out. Yeah, we did the same thing. If you're looking at your bank account right now and Mm -hmm. it's negative, what were you doing 90 days ago? It's a direct reflection of the daily activities you do every day will be the results 90 days. We say the exact same thing. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you figure out where your greatest strength is? I know you talk a little bit about your passion place, right? Tell us more about that. So I call it um, playing in your passion place. So, I mean, obviously, the way that I – okay, so when I first got in the business, I would hear somebody say, oh, my gosh, short sales are so great. I'm like, perfect, I'm going to specialize in short sales. And then someone else says, oh, I'm an REO agent. I'm like, awesome, I'm going to learn how to do that. And someone else says, oh, I only call physicals inspired. I'm like, perfect, I'm going to do that too. And so before I knew it, I had like 15 things that I quote, unquote, specialized in. And I realized I was spreading myself too thin. So I kind of took a step back and I said, Okay. And it actually happened. I was sitting in a chair, like physically sitting in a chair. And I looked at my the bottom of my chair, and it had four legs. And I thought, what if I treated my real estate business like the legs of a chair? There are four legs to a chair. So what if I just focus on four things? And if I did that, what would that look like? So one of them for me, no question, is my database. That is your gold mine. That's your untapped gold mine where people that know you like you and want to support you. They're going to want to send business your way. So my database absolutely was one of my legs of a chair. Um, Social media for me, hands down, was another leg of my chair. Um, Of the 123 deals we closed last year, 31 were from Facebook. Um, And then another leg for me was um, my networking group. So I am not traditional in the sense that I don't do a BNI or a T&I or any of those things. What I do is I call it playing in my passion place. So I know that I am passionate about um, my girlfriends and I am passionate about kids. And the best thing about it is I've got a ton of girlfriends that have kids. So I went to one of my girlfriends, Mackenzie, and I said, hey, Mackenzie, um, I know you're in a moth group. Would I ever be able to host like an event where I would just kind of get to hang out with you know, all the moms and they can bring their little ones and their babies and I would host an event for them. She was like, yeah, totally. And so I kind of thought about it and I said, what are two things moms like? 
Well, they like to have to have they like to get to have a babysitter so they get to breathe for a minute, and they like mimosas. So I do this event called um, Mommies and Mimosas and Kids and Crafts, and it's a three or four hour commitment in the morning. I make like a little noodle and necklace station. Um, sometimes we'll do like little make little fish out of like um, pancake or pancake cupcake wrappers. And um, it's just simple, like, stuff you find on Pinterest. And so I hire two babysitters to host the, to help out at the event. I'm hosting it. It is not about real estate. This is the trick to this stuff. It's not about real estate. It's simply about providing, coming from contribution and providing a good morning for these women. And then at the very end, for five minutes, I literally say, and I have a flyer that's, like, real cute and kind of, you know, kid-friendly. Um, and I just say, hey, guys, my name is Rachel Adams. I'm a local realtor in the area. I'm in the top 1% in the county. I sold 123 houses last year. Um, all that I just wanted to let you know is that this morning has been sponsored for you just because I'm a huge fan of little munchkins that don't have on my own yet, but I wanted to give you the morning off. Um, also, just a quick real estate update for you. You know, prices are going up right now. It's definitely still a seller's market. So if you are wondering how much your house is worth, I'd be happy to let you know how much your house is worth um, completely free to you. If you're looking at buying a house, whether it is your first time or um, you're looking for a rental, I can absolutely help with that. And also, you know, if you're looking to refinance, I have connections for that. So, you know, have a great day, and it's literally like I speak for like five minutes, and then I have a cute little flyer, and I hand it to everybody. The last one I did, um, it cost me $425 to throw it. I split it with a lender, so it cost me half of that. Um, and then I uh, ended up closing two deals from it. So I got three referrals and two actually closed. And wow. average price for us, you know, I think our average price on those were 7500 bucks. So you're looking at some pretty serious finances. You know what I mean? You make 15 oh, yeah. grand and you spent 425 or half of 425. So it's like it, it just makes sense. So I feel like if you find something you're passionate about, you're not really working. You know, I think that that's so impactful because you know there's that great saying that says if you do things for the money, the money never comes, but when you do what you love, you know, more than enough will come your way. And I, I was in the same boat. You know, for me, I wasn't – I never did door knocking. It just ended up not being my path that I followed. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that I love, love, love to have parties. And so I would start doing parties. I did little happy hours, networking parties, holiday parties, a number of things like that. And that is what worked for me to build my business. Mm-hmm. So I so believe that you've just got to find that – place to your to be able to play in your passion place whatever that is for you like it, it, what's going to work for you is not going to work for me and vice versa no totally and so and, one of my agents he throws um he he brings a uh, taco truck to his house and he invites all his neighbors to come get free tacos because he likes to the food truck idea and i mean another guy um we have a guy who's going to be hosting a poker tournament and he's providing snacks and the poker tables and it's like whatever it is that you enjoy doing invite people that are going to enjoy doing that and you just happen to come from contribution and by the way i'm in the business of buying and selling homes and what I love about that is that then it's really no longer like you're working. I mean, you're mm-hmm. having a great time doing that and really doing what you love, and you get to mix those two worlds, you know. I think that's exactly so awesome. 
So I know, and I don't, I, I don't want to cut this part short at all. I want to know about what is going on with you and your book. I've heard lots of stuff about you writing a book, and I've even heard a little bit about the title. But you know, you've had such um, huge things happen in your life these last three years. Like, how do you manage all that before we get to your book? Um. Huh. So. I have a really, really good support system. So they say that you are the the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. And I'm really, really intentional about who I keep in my world. Um, I don't have victim talk in my life, and I also don't have it in my friends. So the people that I kind of hang out with are doing what I want to do at a high level. Um, they're not all necessarily in the same industry, but they're – in, you know, really healthy relationships and they respect their partner and they're career driven and they, you know, have good work ethic and they're, I'm really big on like self growth and, you know, wanting to be the best version of myself. And so it, it's really the people I surround myself with. And then I was fortunate enough to be raised with amazing parents. My parents have been married uh, 38 years and my dad still calls my mom his bride and they like hold hands in the grocery store. They're adorable. Um, and so they, that was kind of my foundation. And so, um, I just, I really kind of look for the good in people and I've chosen to look at life with solution-based lenses. So instead of, if there's a problem, I'm not looking at the problem I'm looking at the plan on how we're going to solve it. And that's really benefited me. And I know that, uh, most recently you have fallen in love all over again. Mm-hmm. And so tell me a little bit about how that all came about. Well, so that actually comes – that kind of ties into the book a little bit. Um, okay. I, so my boyfriend's name is Ryan, and um, I – I used to, I was married before and I never was the kind of person who thought that I would get divorced and I did and I took it really, really hard and I kind of thought that like, I mean, I, I knew I needed to deal with the fact that I got a divorce, but it, I was so busy growing my real estate career and it was such a sad, hard thing that I just kind of shoved it down and worked really, really hard in real estate. And um, I got to a point um, the end of last year, it was last November, where um, this event happened in my life and I was planning on filming a commercial for my corporate company and I ended up not being able to film it because um, I wasn't walking the walk, but I sure was talking the talk. So I was saying I was leading, you know, balanced life and all this stuff. But in reality, um, I had gained 30 pounds since my divorce. I was working all the time. I was taking, you know, an Advil and drinking it down with a cup of coffee because I had a headache. Like, I, I just wasn't taking care of myself. And the balance part was out for me. And so what I ended up doing was kind of going on this path of self-discovery. And I took out my two biggest distractions um, at the time. And when I did that, so many things shifted in my life, and I kind of just went on this journey to become the best version of myself, and it was really interesting. So 12 different things really shifted for me in my life, and as a result of those 12 things, um, I ended up learning, losing 32 pounds, really discovering who I was in the process, forgiving myself for the divorce, um, learning about journaling, set up a morning routine. I just got clarity on who I wanted to become and how I was going to get there. And I did it for 90 days. And at the end of those 90 days, um, I met, um, met again for the second time with this woman named Nina Heller. 
and she is the CEO of Keller Williams Wife. And she was like, oh, my gosh, Rachel, what happened to you? If nothing else, she could just see the physical change. And I kind of gave her, you know, like a quick synopsis of the, what I'd been doing for 90 days. And she said, you have to share this. And so she gave me a task of coming up with the different things that shifted for me. And I came up with 12 main things that shifted. And that ended up becoming 12 chapters. And she co-authored the book with me. Um, we're actually in the final editing stages now. But it's more than just a book because I, we went down to San Diego. I flew down there to her um, ridiculous beach house. And we filmed um, 12 coaching videos. So there's 12 coaching videos. There's a custom app. There's a website. You get a T-shirt. There's a whole community of other people who are doing, reading the book and doing a challenge with you. There's a 90-day Facebook challenge. It's a very interactive, super exciting thing. And it's just, it's for anyone who's ever kind of closed their eyes and felt stuck. Like they know there's more in the world out there for them, but they don't know how to get it. So this program is kind of a way to help them figure out who they're supposed to be, and then take them on a path on how they're going to get there. That's pretty incredible. What's the name of your book? It's um, Lost to Found, Your 90-Day Journey to Self-Discovery and Ultimate Happiness. And when's that going to be coming out? I know you're working on the end of it. Do you have a timeline? Yeah, so um, we're going to be starting pre-orders for the book and the program. Um, It's going to be starting uh, in December, early December, probably about the 9th. And then um, the book will be shipped around the 20th, and the first uh, 90-day challenge starts on January 4th. How exciting is that? Wow. We're we're really excited. Four years ago that you'd be doing this? Oh, my God, no. I mean, I, the funny thing is, so right now I'm looking at my vision board that's framed above my desk, and on it I have author. And it's the kind of – it's a picture of books, and it says author. And it's the kind of thing where, like, you always dream that it will happen, and yet you don't know if it will. And then there's another thing. I have a vacation to Italy, and I'm going to Italy this year in March. And there's a picture of – um a couple with sunset and love and all I wanted was to be in love and have this ridiculous passionate love and be you know just just have everything fulfilled and I feel like I had been putting it out there and doing so much work on myself and this is now kind of the universe like rewarding me for the work I was doing I feel like so many people go I want to fall in love and they start they did what I did they were on all the dating sites and they're looking and they're trying to find their partner and yet they didn't take the time to stop and look at themselves and go, do I love myself? Am I doing what I need to do to be happy? Because until that happens, you're not going to be finding that person, you know? You know, that's such an incredibly valuable lesson. I know that, you know, some people it takes them longer to figure that out. I'll tell you, you have you not been to Italy yet? Will this be your first time? No, it's going to be my first time. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I've been twice. It is there. It is so incredibly amazing. I went the very first time in 1999. Um, my sister was, her and her husband were in the military, and they were stationed in Signorella, Sicily. And um, my son, as you know, he had passed away in, in mm-hmm. June of 99. And she said, come to Italy. And so I went completely by myself. Um my husband stayed home and took care of our two young children. He wasn't happy about that, but he did. Mm-hmm. And I went for um, 11 days to Sicily and all over Italy. And it is so, it's just soothing to the soul. It's just, um, to me, the most incredible, uh, in, one of the most incredible places. And the history is so 
beyond anything we have here in the United States. You know, here if a building is, you know, 30 years old, we can't wait to rip it down and rehab it. We're over there. You're literally standing in buildings that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's You're going to have an amazing time. Where in Italy are you going, do you know? Um, we're going to Venice. Oh, are you staying in Venice the whole time? No, so it's actually it's a work trip um, for Ryan, and so he's a um, mechanical engineer on the sales side, and so there's a company that he um, contracts with called Petra, and they're based out of Jordan. So we're going to Jordan first, which is exciting, and then we basically were going to come home, and the other people on the trip said, well, he said, do you want to go anywhere else? We can pretty much, with that location, pick anywhere, and so we all agreed on Italy. You know, what's funny about Venice, because I've been there, too, it was pretty amazing, and um, I remember going on the gondolas, you know, mm-hmm. going through the, the streets, and, you know, there actually truly is a person named Marco Polo, and he, um, his house is there, and there's, so when you're going through these gondolas, I mean, going through these, you know, waterways, you'll see this little sign that says Marco Polo, and I remember cracking up at that, because I didn't, I didn't think, I never even researched history to know that Marco Polo was really a person and that he lived in Venice. You're like, I thought we just yelled at in swimming pools. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was so funny. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, we're really yeah. excited. It's it's going to be fun. And, I mean, the, the thing about um, Ryan is in my 90-day process, one of the chapters, um, Chapter 9, it's called Your Relationship Standards and Allies. Um, I had... I found a lot of quiet time. So I was sitting on my couch and I wasn't going out with my girlfriends and I was drinking tea instead of wine and I just had some time to reflect, right? And so I started to write down, I had standards and goals for myself with my business. I always know where I'm going and how I'm going to get there, but I didn't do it for my personal life. And so what I ended up doing was um, taking some time and I wrote down all the words that matter to me in a relationship, like, you know, family, community, Um, intimacy, communication. And then next to it, I wrote a paragraph about what each word meant. And at the time, I thought that I was just kind of like getting clarity on what it meant to me. And then later, I realized I was actually setting the standard for what I wanted in a future relationship. And when I met Ryan, it was like my list was standing in front of me. It was pretty cool. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I I know that for anyone who's struggling either in their relationship or looking for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say 99% of the time, but I really think it's 100% of the time. It always starts with you, right? Like mm-hmm. What is it that you really want and what are you going to do to change that? Because it's so easy to look at other people and say, well, if they did this or if they would change that or, you know, whatever that is, we have a tendency to look at what other people are doing, not necessarily pay attention to what we're doing. I know Absolutely. I I had to figure that out, right? I had to kind of step back and say, is it is it me? Is it him? Is it you know, what is it that that is the problem? And when you take a hundred percent responsibility, you'll do everything you can to fix you, which is is always a problem. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know that go, go ahead. ahead. Um it, I mean it always comes back to when you look in the mirror, you'll start to make changes as opposed to trying to fix or change someone else is what I wanted to say. Yeah, I remember when I was married, I was 
so frustrated that it wasn't getting better. And I was doing all these like self-growth things to try and work on the relationship. And I was expecting that if I was doing it, he was going to change too. And actually my life coach, um, she said to me, she was like, you know what, Rachel, what we're going to do is we're going to work on you. We're going to make you the best version of yourself, the most moral woman. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, then you can walk away knowing your side of the table is clean. And granted, it took me two years still from that conversation to find, you know, the strength to leave. But it, you know, I I, I stayed in the relationship for um, two years, probably longer than I should have because I felt guilty. And I, I was, and I, it was comfortable. I mean, it was uncomfortable, but it was comfortable. And it took me really discovering my self-worth and knowing that it's okay to know that you deserve more and to go after it. You know, I mean, the, I, I actually had this woman, um, um, Evangeline Scott, you probably know her, Lender. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. So she had this conversation with me when I was, like, having a really hard time. And she said, Rachel, imagine – I wasn't 30 quite yet, but she was like, imagine that you're 30 years old. Say you live to be 100. She's like – and she, she says, imagine a yardstick. And she takes away, you know, a third of it. And she said, you have two-thirds left of your life. You've only used one-third. What do you want the rest of this to look like? Who do you want to spend your time with? What conversations do you want to have? Like, you have the power to decide that. And I was like, you're right. And it was like, how do I want to spend the rest of my days? I wanted to be ridiculously in love with someone who supported me, who wanted the same things that I did, you know, and and it's it's definitely been a journey. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, like I said, I definitely think looking within and figuring all that out. But okay, So here's a good question I want to ask you, and then we'll wrap things up. Is it? Yeah. What do you think is the one characteristic that you truly believe every leader should possess? I mean, as a young woman who's clearly making a huge impact in the world, people are paying attention to you, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think that, that that most important characteristic that you can convey to those those people that are looking up to you um, is? So what's the message I want to convey to people looking at me or the message that leaders need to know? Or to throw yourself as uh, a leader. Say, what, what do you think is the, the number one characteristic a leader should possess? Like you as a leader, what is the most important thing that you can have as a characteristic that, of course, other people are going to be looking at? Um, I think probably one of the biggest things to know is that there's, you, you are never at the top of your game. You always, always can learn more. And when people around you are succeeding, that means that you are successful. I think it's really easy as a leader when you get busy to start to kind of focus within and your people who are looking to you for leadership um, are, are kind of waiting to, to, you know, they're waiting for you. And I think it's really important to remember that your job as a leader is to one, lead by example. So never think that you're too good to lead generate or to, you know, clean a table or whatever industry you've chosen to be in. Um, make sure that you, you stay humble and you know that you're, you know, you're never above what your um, teammates are doing. Um, and then and, and think that people work with you. Don't think that they work for you. So agents on our team, they work with us. They don't work for us. And so I think it's important to to have the conversation with them that you are in partnership with them. They're not your employee, you know. Um, and and for, like, young women, 
I think it's it's also, it's important to have people that you look up to who are doing what you want to do at a high level and and make sure that you there's things that you like about them, but make sure that they're more than just skin they they need to be more than just the exterior. They need to be more than just skin deep, you know? Um, because like you said just a bit ago, I mean, you can look at somebody's relationship and think, oh, my gosh, they're so perfect. They're so happy. What a great relationship they have. But Facebook isn't always what it looks like, you know? I mean, five minutes before that, they're fighting. Or, I mean, you know, you're married. Like, it's not all sunshine and roses. I think that's so valuable because, you know, Facebook can be used in a lot of positive ways, but I always say if we believed everything on Facebook, you know, every real estate agent sells 100 homes a year, every lender's mm-hmm. never had a loan denied, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all those, you know, everyone's got like these perfect lives, which I get because nobody really wants to go on there and talk about all the bad stuff, right? You want to really keep right. your energy high and your vibration, you know, in a positive place. But, you know, comparing yourself to others can be really cancerous. So, that, you know, that's not the best way to go. But um, I think that you are doing some really dynamic things, Rachel, and, and I've really watched you bloom and blossom over these last, you know, three or four years. Thank and you. And I'm just so really proud of you and inspired um, by you and all that you're doing. So oh, thank, thank you, you so much. So, so much for being on our, our show today. And how can people find out about your book? Where do they go? Oh, thank you. Um, so we are going to be launching really shortly here. The website is www.losttofound90.com, and uh, it will be on my Facebook page. I'll definitely send the link to you as well so you can um, post it and share it with others, and uh, it will be all over Facebook too. So it's it's pretty exciting. We're really excited to launch it. Well, I'm very excited to see what you do with it. And uh, I can go back one of these days and say, I knew Rachel wins. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be exciting. And you know what? We'll still go grab coffee and get a hug in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Rachel, for being on our show today. You're definitely an inspiration, and I can't wait to share this with our listeners. And I'm looking forward to your next big thing. Go get them, girl. Thank you so much. All right. Make it a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.